Welcome to Your Thought Life Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Anderson. I'm trained in cognitive behavior therapy and neuro-linguistic programming. One of my life goals is to help people overcome mindset challenges. If you haven't already, I'm going to ask you to take a few moments and head over to wherever you listen to us and give us a rating and a review. So radically help the show reach more people seeking this style of content and consequently assist them with their mindset issues. As always, we're incredibly appreciative of your support of the podcast and thank you so much for tuning in today. Separating permanently from self-pity is our talk for today. In psychology, self-pity is regarded as, I guess you could say, a self-focused emotion and it's characterized by feelings of sorrow, victimization, and exaggerated senses of our own difficulties and misfortunes. We tend to gravitate to these and we make them much larger in life than they actually should be. It's a form of self-indulging sadness and some might venture to say that it borderlines with self-suffering and these are states that we don't want to find ourselves in even for a short period of time because of the cyclical patterns that tend to play out like theater immediately after we get caught up in these low-level vibrations. Self-pity is seen as maladaptive responses and or behavior, which means when you have an adaptive response, you're met with some type of pressure You accept that this thing before you may be a little bit trying, may be a little outside your comfort zone. You embrace that. You put a plan together and you begin tackling whatever it is that you desire to do. In maladaptive behavior, there's a whole host of things that we begin to do to reconcile it incorrectly substance abuse, ruminating on it or meditating on it from a negative standpoint. We start to have procrastination. We enter into a place where we begin to question our own self-esteem and self-worth. We self-criticize. We become very hard on our pros and cons. Then there's just absolute avoidance in some cases. What we find is that if we believe that we're a victim of circumstance and these circumstances are beyond our control, this is quickly going to lead to a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. Self-pity has a very dense spiraling approach that brings about all sorts of hindrances from growth to resilience to our inability to cope with the things that we have to be able to deal with to be successful. When an individual or we are experiencing self-pity, we exhibit behaviors in the rumination category where we're thinking about the wrong thing over and over and over, and then we dwell on the perceived failure or difficulty. When we do this piece, It perpetuates the cycle of self-pity. 
not from this, just the event that's before us. No, it's much greater than that. It also begins to check in with your feelings and emotions from the past. Then they start ushering in other things that might look close to this situation or might fall into this category. And guess what? Within just a couple of minutes, by thought alone, we have put ourselves in a really, really bad state that's going to take an awful lot of get started energy just to get us back to even. Let me tell you how bad this can be, family. There's a couple of quotes from people that I absolutely admire, John Gardner and Helen Keller. John Gardner says, and I quote, self-pity is easily the most destructive of the non-pharmaceutical narcotics. It is addictive. It gives momentary pleasure and separates the victim from reality. Helen Keller says, self-pity is our worst enemy. If we yield to it, we can never do anything wise in the world. I don't know about you, but if I'm to think about the gravity of self-pity, and I attribute gravity or the level with which this can have a derogatory impact on our self-being, this is pretty significant, which is why one of our dear listeners has asked us to talk about it today. I'm going to submit that we have methods that we can utilize to permanently separate us from self-pity. The first of which is understanding that we have to know these patterns. I've said probably already or made mention of the fact that patterns are how we move through life day to day. There's too much information coming into our being and into our minds to process it all. What happens is it does a little bit of organization for us. Those things that are reoccurring that sort of take place every single day in some way, shape, or form, these are the things that the mind says, I don't have to think about all of the stimuli for this. I will create a pattern for it. And that's the way we move through life for those things that we don't necessarily need to think about. And then there's the other side of the coin, all of the rest of the data. It's got to go through all of that and cipher what's important to us. Well, how does it do that? Our biases, our beliefs, our philosophy, and our overall temperament and mindset. Now, back to recognizing patterns. This is a conscious effort that you and I have to become very, very fluent with. And it means that if you don't understand what your patterns are, how your triggers are created, how your buttons get pressed, what are your pros and cons, your strengths, your weaknesses, what are your natural gifts, what are the things that create resistance when you attempt to do them. If you don't understand your composition from a mental and an emotional standpoint, then you're at a disadvantage. You're at a tremendous disadvantage. The first thing we need to do is spend quiet, quality time with ourselves, understanding the length, the width, the breadth, and the height of what makes us us. I'm here to tell you, if you're going to ever take on 
self-development, this is the tallest order of that specific discipline. Getting to know thyself, which is translated meditation. That's one vehicle that you can use to quickly turn the corner to one who now understands what are my patterns, what are my triggers, what are the things emotionally that keep coming back out of the past and impacting my future, and why is it that I'm so concerned about the future that I can't be present, and then of the landscape of all of the things that I do well and not so well, which of those make me feel some kind of way? Why is it that when a certain person says these things, I automatically enter into a defensive mindset? These are the types of things that we've got to spend time cultivating, understanding. It's not until you do this that you can disrupt the cycle. But once you're able to disrupt the cycle, then you move to phase two, which is changing your perspective. This is a conscious shift that you have to make for your subconscious mindset. Let me break that down a little bit. 5% of what you do in a given day is through the conscious mind. All of the brain matter that 5% gives you the ability to reason, to analyze, to rationalize, and to commit some things to short-term memory so later on in the evening when you rest, they can be written to long-term memory in a nutshell. But the subconscious mind, that part of your mind is about 95%. And if you're going to make any changes to these patterns, to the lens with which you see life, it's going to have to be in the subconscious mind instead. And so if we are to change perspectives, we are to first understand what it is that makes us us. And then when we start to see the things that make us feel a certain way, that make us act a certain way, then we can go into the subconscious and begin to make these perspective changes. The lens with which you see life, beliefs, biases, behavior, philosophy, these are the things that you should really in earnest start to take a more careful evaluation of. Because if you're, as an example, a person who, like I grew up, very scarce, then you're going to have tendencies that are on the side of scarcity rather than on the side of abundance. So if you want to become abundant, you want to act, behave, and conduct yourself like one who is abundant or who is supplied or operates from a principle of an abundance, then you've got to go into the operating system or to the subconscious mind where all of this organization is taking place you got to find these things that we talked about by recognizing patterns and who you are, systematically, one by one, start to root those out. And when you change your perspective, then you can begin to treat yourself a little bit better through self-compassion. Self-compassion is one of the coolest things I think I've ever found out about. It was introduced to me about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. 
the big idea was how to become your best friend. Let me tell you, I ran with that because I used to be my harshest critic. I mean, to tell you some of the things that I would say even aloud to others about me should have never, ever been uttered. When I learned that that was wrong and instead I needed to replace that with self-compassion, I immediately embraced it. And let me tell you, if you've never told yourself how much you love yourself in the mirror with a big smile and the warmth that enters in to your being as a result of doing that, say, I don't know, two, three months, you want to really do something profound to switch your temperament from negative to positive, just do that. Every morning, get up and say something really cool about yourself in the mirror audibly, loud enough where you can hear it. It's going to make you feel good. Now back to what I was saying on the self-compassion. If you are to have self-compassion, family, what it really equates to is you having the ability to acknowledge your struggles, your missteps, and the triumphs that you desire but you didn't quite hit without any self-judgment. That's all it is to it. What you would simply say is, hey, we made a very good try of this. We've learned a lot in the process. If we have to use words like failure, we just simply reframe that such that I didn't particularly perform at the level I've wanted to, but I learned a lot in the process. So when it's time for me to do it again, I know how to do it the next time with a little more information than I had the first time. And guess what? Just like we put our money into growth assets, you'll have the same sort of compounding effect when you begin to do this or exercise self-compassion. No judgment. Imperfections are okay. You not being able to achieve a hundred percent of what you desire to do right out of the gates is okay. In fact, even if you are striving for a specific mark, 80% is acceptable for you to check that off and move on to your next task. I like self-compassion because it helped me to develop resilience and emotional strength. How? Because I had no need to be harsh on myself anymore. I had no reason to go back and look at this with a critical lens. And when you give up all of that in exchange for a loving approach, everything just seems to work out better. So we're going to recognize patterns. We're going to change our perspective. We're going to practice self-compassion. Then we're going to embrace growth. Embracing growth is nothing more than reframing what you thought you were to what you know you want to be. And what that says is, I have a certain amount of information that is available, readily available to me right now because I've learned it and it has brought me so far. The other side of that is for you to get to where you want to be, you also do some accepting that says, I accept the fact that there are going to be informational shortcomings and gaps in my learning that are going to arise as a result 
of this new version, this new thing that I want to do that I don't have all of the training and or knowledge for. The cool thing about that is I get to learn it. And when you see these opportunities where you don't have everything that you think you need as a learning opportunity, life gets pretty cool. The culmination of large learning models, generative AI, and all of the breakthroughs that we're seeing with the culmination of these two make the ability to get smart really, really easy and very concentrated. And it takes just a fraction of the amount of time that it used to. By embracing growth, we're able to shift from a focus from dwelling on past and other disappointments from yesteryear to actively seeking ways to evolve and to improve ourselves. This is incredibly cool, family, because there isn't any reason why any of us has to remain in a state where self-pity is getting the best of us. I've just given you four very easy-to-implement steps that you can use to separate permanently from self-pity. And if there's a little bonus in here, it would be acceptance. This is nothing more than acknowledging and making peace with life's unpredictive nature. There are things that we're simply not going to be able to control that are going to happen, that are going to pop up unannounced, unwanted in some cases. And we just got to ebb and flow with those. No need to get bent out of shape. No need to have a hissy fit. No need to, you know, throw your back out. None of that stuff's necessary. Just recognize that's part of life. Accept it. If you're going to feel some kind of way, do it for a few minutes, no more than a few minutes. And then get yourself up, dust yourself off, get back on your journey and stay that way. Psychology is incredibly cool because it teaches us so much about why we are the way we are. Self-pity feels like a tight grip that's really centered on sadness and feeling like a victim, really not having the ability to be your best self. And it makes it tough to grow and bounce back, especially when life gets tough. But there is a way out, and we've talked about that today. I would encourage you to think through all that you've heard in this episode, evaluate the areas in your life against those four areas plus the bonus. See if those are present in your life. And if they're not, go ahead and implement them. Just become a better version of you. The version of you that is permanently separated from self-pity. Thanks for tuning in. And that concludes this episode. Most certainly, I appreciate your time and your attention. I want to remind you that you are enough. You can do it. You are uniquely equipped to realize your goals. Until next time, take care and be safe.